Hello, everybody. Welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. We're your hosts today, TJ Branson and Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So we got a pretty fun episode for you. I'm saying this before the fact. We I'm planning do? for it to be fun. I hope so. Do? Yeah, That's the thing. I don't like to count any chickens, if you know what I mean. I'm trying to think of that phrase, and I can't, I can't place it in my head. I know it's like uh, count your chickens before, before they hatch, before right? Before your eggs are hatched? Yeah, but I, the you F, know, I, had, I had a brain fart, and I thought it was like, <laughs> yeah. count your eggs or something. But anyway, guys, we got Adrian Dater coming on from Colorado Hockey Now to talk some avalanche. We are starting our central division. Last week, we did the Metro. If you guys are behind or if you want to check that out, feel free. We got those episodes. We were talking to a bunch of people who know their teams better than we know their teams. We only know their fantasy stats. So these guys know the ins and outs of these teams. Yeah. Uh, also joining us is going to be Tom Timmerman. He is the St. Louis Blues writer for the St. Louis Dispatch, and he's going to be answering our question on, you guessed it, the Blues. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we got these two guys joining us. We're going to bounce some ideas off each other in between, and I think it's just going to be fun. I've been having fun with these interviews. They're going to be they're going to be fun. Yeah, the Metro was fire, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep it up. You know, yeah. with the with the Central. I mean, we we kind of got on a we kind of got on an uptick there. You know what I mean? Uh, I hope we don't regress back to the main. <laughs> and I feel like the Central almost like it doesn't get the same hype that the rest of the, the divisions get. You know what I mean? Like Metro, especially for us, because we're we're living it. We're in there. Uh, some of the guys that might be, you know, in the Central, if you guys are living in that area, it's probably more prevalent. But for us, it's like Metro and Atlantic and Pacific to me are the, the ones that get the most play. The most hype, the most airtime, I guess. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna traipse our way through the central and get some uh get some takes here. Hey Adrian, how are Hello. things? Good, how are you? Not bad. So Do you need me to be on video? No, not at all, man. We're just man, gonna strip okay. down the uh this is okay. just so me and Zach can flirt with okay. each other the whole time. Okay, cool. <laughs> We are joined with Adrian Dater. You write for Colorado Hockey Now. You're also the editor and boss over there, it looks like. Avs Insider for 103, the fan in Denver. You guys can find him at Dater on Twitter. You write for bookies.com. I, I mean, I feel like I could go the whole 15 minutes just saying what you do. You look like a very busy man. So if you want to go ahead and plug yourself, it might be quicker so we can uh, let you go get down with business. No, you covered most of it. 104.3, the fan in Denver. Oh, okay fan station uh yeah the insider quote unquote do run my own site colorado hockey now and uh yeah i write for gambling sites too so uh anybody who needs to uh lose a lot of money just come on and uh, look at what i'm picking it's uh you can't lose either way if uh, you know go the opposite way that works too right so is it mainly like gambling on hockey that you talk about like i'm a little confused or is it a little bit of everything no, I'm a, I'm the hockey guy. I write for uh, bookies.com, gambling.com. They're the same company. And, uh, yeah, I make uh, – well, when we had hockey anyway, uh, I make three daily picks once a week. I made kind of like a, uh, you know, overall betting recommendations for the, you know, league as a whole and trends and all that stuff. So, yeah, I uh, I actually really liked it. It's fun writing, you know, to, to – I'm not a gambler myself. I don't have enough money to gamble and just wouldn't, I'd be too stressed out. But I uh, really enjoyed, you know, making my picks. And I can see how people get totally addicted to it because, uh, you know, you, I was totally checking the lines all night long. And whenever my picks were live, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm really invested in this. So I had about a 58 percent win percentage for the whole year. So, not bad. Um, yeah, not bad. I'm not going to lie. I've been known to dabble. 
yeah. and, and I will say when betting on hockey, I love parlaying mm. overs, just overs across the board. Mm. I wanna, I want, I'm betting on goals to happen. That was my biggest weakness was over under. Um, I love betting on overs. I was you, really you're telling that. me you have a you have a Flyers Penguins game. I want the over. I always somehow pick the wrong one on over under almost all the time. I was pretty good on uh, reverse puck lines, you know, where the uh, the underdog only needs to stay within uh, two goals to win the bet. I was pretty mm. good on those. Pretty good win percentage on those. I'm pretty good on uh, surprise underdog picks, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's a new world of media now. I think sports betting is going to be a lot of companies' uh, revenue streams going forward uh, with everything. I would say if you're a sports media company now and you don't have a little bit of a, a foothold into sports betting in the U.S. now that it's legalized, uh, you're going to be missing out on some uh, some revenue. I get a little uncomfortable when uh, – so we're a fantasy hockey podcast, and there's DFS out there and stuff. And sometimes I get a little uncomfortable talking DFS because I hate putting my hand in other people's wallets almost, so to speak. So I don't know how you TJ cope with that. It doesn't you know? bother me one bit. Yeah, I have no guilt whatsoever, uh, <laughs> no problem whatsoever doing that. It's uh, – you know, the old saying is uh, you takes your chances – you, you, you bets your money, it you takes your chances, something like that. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, it's uh, you got a gambling problem. There's a 1-800 number uh, at the end of every <laughs> thing. we <laughs> <laughs> So I think the in all seriousness, I think, you know, sports betting is going to become more of what's going to replace sort of the casual scratch ticket player out there mm. in the old days. You know, uh, you know, and I've always played scratch tickets. Yeah, a couple bucks here. I'll throw it in a scratch ticket machine. Now I think it's going to be your average fan saying, yeah, take my two bucks and put it on, uh, you know, my local team tonight. See how they do. Maybe make a buck, maybe maybe make three bucks. So that's what I think is going to be the bigger boom is the the casual, you know, casual fan who wants to just have a couple bucks bet on something and have a little more, you know, excitement to watching a regular season game. Maybe, you know, hopefully you keep it in within bounds and in your budget. And all that stuff. So we don't, you know, we don't want you to become a, a degenerate betting your house on the, on the game. So uh, <laughs> I think most people, you know, can stay within that parameter. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot bigger, guys. Trust me. There's that's, companies. That's what second mortgages are for, Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping on with us, man. So we got a, uh, we got a couple questions here. All on the Avalanche. Surprise, surprise. So I want to <laughs> start with uh, Kale McCarr here. How excited are we allowed to get, man? This this past year was incredible. How much do you think is a product of his line mates? Um, and how much is really organic? We got a lot of guys in our Discord. Zach himself, he and I have been um, on two sides of the same coin. I've been more a Makar proponent. He's been more a Quinn Hughes proponent. And I think um, Makar, he's got the better supporting cast. Is it all that or is it really just like even if we put Makar on Vancouver – would he still be more productive, I guess, points per game wise? I think Colorado does. I think he does have a little bit better sporting cast, but not that much when you really look at it. Vancouver's got some pretty nice forwards last time yeah. I checked. <laughs> You're not wrong. So I don't think it's a, lo- a big disparity there. I think Colorado has a little bit deeper team right now. I can promise you this, guys. You know, there's no fluke here with Kale McCarr. Uh, you put him on any team and he's going to get minimum 40 points, probably 50 Upper end, maybe 60 to 70. I mean, the kid's that good. 
there's no camouflaging his his talent anywhere on a bad team. You know, he's still going to get his points. He's a lot better defensively, too, than people realize. I, I think that's going to become more and more evident to people as they see him more on a bigger stage, hopefully on a you know playoffs and all that stuff. He's uh, he's tough. He's smart. Uh, he's got an unbelievable skating stride. And, you know, the hockey IQ is off the charts. Honestly, he's if he stays healthy and does not win a Norris Trophy or at least, or at least one in his career, I'd be very surprised. Like very, very surprised. So it uh, sounds like we're allowed to get very excited here, especially yeah, in fantasy circles for us. I think so, and I think <laughs> Quinn, Quinn Hughes is. You should be excited about him too. Like, yeah, know, I'm not two- trying to knock him. At all. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't disagree mm-hmm. with you. That's for sure. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Adrian. One thing that like TJ and I are kind of both uh, big into is like prospects, mm-hmm. and a guy that I'm actually a big fan of, Bowen Byram kind of has a lot to lose over this Kale McCarr whole thing. Hmm. Where is his kind of ceiling in all of this? Because you have to expect him to be up on the team soon. But, I mean, his path to the number one power play, which where you think he would be best fit, he has no way to get there. So it seems like top power play isn't going to happen. Maybe second power play? No, I I might disagree with you there. I think the hope is and the expectation is with the Avalanche – management is that he'll be the left side number one PP guy opposite the right-handed Makar for years to come. I mean, I think that's definitely the plan. He's going to be be interesting. Well, yeah, he's going to be the lefty guy who, uh, you know, the Ryan Suter to uh, the righty, I'm blanking here, Jared Spurgeon or something. Yeah, Spurgeon or Dumba. Right. Or going back to his Nashville days, uh, you know, uh, maybe even a Shea Weber. I think that there's, uh, Every expectation that Bo Byram will be the, just the lefty guy. I don't think that they expect Byram to be um, the the guy on this team with Makar here. I think that Bo Byram may well be the guy. I mean, he, his ego is such that I think he'll want that. And he may have all that talent. He had a little bit of a... He didn't look quite as ready for the NHL as Makar did in their sort of initial looks. Byram with you know the abs in the preseason of last year... And Makar coming right into the playoffs after UMass. It looked like Makar was a little more ahead of the curve. But that said, they uh, they have every expectation for Byram to slip in there as a left lefty guy on the on the first power play. I mean, it, it what doesn't that make sense, guys? I mean, uh, you need a lefty righty combo, and there they are. And I almost uh, write I think- it off entirely just because everyone, and it seems like everyone but Nashville, has like completely left that three-two behind. It seems like four-one uh, is is the new standard. And I guess yeah. if you have somebody like Makar, who is essentially a forward, I mean, if you if you get rid of all like the the labels and everything, he's as good as a forward, I believe, offensively. So in a way, it's a four-one, I guess. But I, I do agree with you. The the handedness kind of plays a part into it, and I, that's a perspective I never really thought of. Yeah, and it, you know, if it doesn't work out for Byram as a number one guy, yeah, he slots in well as a number two, one number one guy. You've still got Sam Girard on this team, yep. who who is a lefty, didn't quite show the uh, bona fides to be the number one PP guy when he had the chance when Makar was out. He did put up points and streaks and stuff like that. He doesn't have the slap shot that either a Makar and, and a Byram has. Byram's got a good slap shot. Gerard's weakness on the on the power play and offensively overall is his slap shot. Uh, it's just not strong enough. Has a really short stick. You know, um, he's really good at every other area of his game though. 
again, uh, the expectation endeavor is that if it's not Gerard, who's Makar's number one defensive partner for years to come, it's going to be Byram. Those two may interchange at times, depending on what's going on. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they definitely, you know, have very well-placed expectations for Bo Byram in all areas of the game whenever he comes out and is ready. So I want to set my sights now on a few forwards here. So it's going to be Burakovsky, Donskoy, and Rantanen. I'm going to lead off with Burakovsky here. Do you think he's somebody that can continue to play at a top six level, uh, depending on where deployment is? He's looked good when um, injuries started to pile up, and they really, really did. Uh, He got that deployment, and he looked really good. It's a good fit that maybe, I don't know if they swap out that top line or if they keep him in the top six. Where do you kind of see his ceiling and – his production going into the next couple of years. I would cautiously say that I'm optimistic he, he can keep his role as a top six guy. There was a lot of issues with him coming in about his, you know, just his mental makeup. Uh, as far as, and I'm not talking about, you know, being crazy or unbalanced or anything, <laughs> but he, he admits freely that he had a lot of problems with the pressure of the game and that he would psych himself out a lot. He'd thought too much and he, you know, did a lot of work with sports psychologists to to try and uh, just relax more and not have the weight on his shoulders every single game, goals and assist wise. From what I've seen so far, I think he's I think you can pencil him in on this team for 20 to 25 goals for the next, you know, four to five years. I like that. I mean, he's got he's still young. He's tall. He's got smarts around around the ice. He uh He's never going to be a power forward. He's he's a sniper. He's uh, he's a guy that can finish off a play, and he's got people on this team that can deliver that pass to him. Of course, he had that in Washington too, but he didn't get the top six ice time that he's got in here. I'll tell you what, when uh, when Landeskog and Rantanen were both down with injuries, and Bierkowski stepped up with McKinnon on that first line, they looked like you know. Gretzky and, and, and Curry there at times, you know, I mean, that's probably overstating it, but uh, they had a <laughs> no, they really, did. they had a really good chemistry and they, he put up the points. I mean, he's already at a career high in goals and points with the avalanche pre lockdown. He's a guy that I think always is going to have to be self-motivated and have guys on him, the coaches on him. He's kind of a, uh, you know, mellow guy in a sense. Like I said, he it's weird. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, but yet he's, He's very calm in the locker room. You almost get the sense that he's uh, he's been a very talented kid his whole life who maybe had it easy for a long, long time. And then when he ran into some some troubles in the pros, it, it got to him a little. But I think uh, I think he may have gotten over the hump this this year with his first year with the Avalanche. He's he's definitely much more confident. Like he knows. I remember talking to him. He's like, you know, I just know I just need to know that I can I can score again if I don't score in a couple games. Like I'm not gonna freak out and go. 20 games without a goal like I used to worry about he sort of thinks now like yeah I'm gonna get my points no matter what and I think that confidence level is why you should be encouraged about having him on your team well it's good it sounds like he's kind of growing up a little bit kind of in the league to say the least um TJ I I know you also wanted to talk about Jonas Donskoy and I actually think that's a good one to touch on he was a guy that last year when the injuries did happen he kind of got bumped up did really well, but oftentimes would get lost in the game. It, it's almost like you just wouldn't see him out there, and he ended up getting bumped down. It was a little bit of a disappointing season because with all of the extra, well, chances, I guess I would say, I kind of expected a little more out of Donskoy. 
Hmm. You know what? I uh, I might disagree with you there a little bit too. <laughs> you know, I see what you're saying. I think he's had a really good year though. I mean, he's been hurt a couple times, including going into the lock uh, lockout, the break, the uh, shutdown with his second concussion of the year. Oh, with, by all accounts, he's he's over that now. He got concussed by Brendan Lemieux in the final game before the uh, shutdown, and Lemieux I think got a multi-game suspension over it, which will yeah, happen. Yeah, so, when when they come back, he is not playing. Yeah, he, I think you know. I, honestly, I thought Donskoy was at times the best player in the ice in several games that I saw with the Avalanche this year. Like he, not just offensively, but his overall game, his defensive two-way game. He was dynamite at times, and he's he's already over his career high too in goals. He's still in a battle though for a top six role. He, he's yeah. got too much talent around the, the rest of the team now to. You know, sometimes he's going to be the odd guy out who doesn't play on that second line. I do think he's a guy who needs to play with top guys to get those kind of numbers. And I think that's what was always his problem in San Jose. Is just, he didn't play with the big guys enough. You know. And uh, and don't get me wrong, Adrian. The whole thing is I I like Jonas Donskoy. I think he he has a chance to fit in really well on that team. I was just a little underwhelmed when he did get those chances and like the, those really great minutes, even being on the first line. I would watch games and I just wanted to see more. I guess I, I don't really you know gotta, how to explain it. You got to remember we're coming I'm... from a fantasy <laughs> lens too, so yes. we, want, we want those points. So um, right. we're we're not looking for the defense. You know, we're not getting points for <laughs> a good two-way play or anything. So when we're when we're saying like underwhelming, um, I guess maybe expectations were a little too high coming into the season. You got like three extra minutes this year. We expected something a little more, uh, closer to like 50 points at the end of the year if if there was a full year. You know, when I look at when I do look at the point totals, I I see what you're saying. I mean, he had 33 points in 65 games. He wasn't going to get 17 points in the last 18 games. So you're right, maybe 50. I don't know though. I think some of that was because though that he he was dropped to the third and fourth line at times just to round out the lineup more. Uh, it wasn't so much a demotion as as all right, we got Landeskog ranting out. Let's not throw all our top eggs on the first line let's let's bump Donskoy down now to the third line to give that line more balance you know I think he was headed for 50 points if he played a little more top six minutes and also maybe you know he's he's he was hurt you know I think coming yeah. back from that concussion is always hard like he did he would he played he was playing better before that first concert concussion which also ironically happened against the Rangers although that time in uh, Madison Square Garden yeah, I mean, 33 points in 65 games is not going to win you your fantasy league, so I get that. I just think yeah. that on this team, when we're talking about a player really fit in well, I think, boy, they, I, I guarantee you Jared Bednar is not worried about his fantasy stats right now. He's saying, <laughs> yeah. boy, I got myself a really, really good forward who can play almost any spot, and uh, we're really happy to have him. I see where you're coming from. Uh, let's set our sights on somebody that is – uh, easily one of the best fantasy players out there. We're going to talk about Miko Rantanen. Is there going to be any rust, in your opinion, when he does come back? Is he going to be able to hop right back in those 90-point shoes? It's going to be a good question, a big question. You know, he's had a tendency to, uh, I was going to say start slow. He had a great game his first game back uh, from his uh, holdout this year that, that he missed a couple games to start out. He was had a contract squabble. I think he got like four points his first game against Chicago. And then he went kind of quiet for a while. You know, the biggest question with Miko is always going to be, I think, his conditioning. He's uh, he's a big guy who I don't think was in the greatest like body weight mass kind of shape the first few years of his career. 
I don't know if it created problems with his stamina or, or things like that or getting injured, but I think there was some, you know, they wanted, the Avalanche wanted to check off that box that that wouldn't be an excuse why he wasn't playing as well. So he went on a much stricter diet and weight program in the summer, and he's, he's better shaped than he used to be. The problem is he always seems to get some kind of unlucky injury every, you know, f- two to three months. And that mm. knocks him back again. Yeah. A I bit. mean, when, he, when he's healthy and he's got his wind, you can put him down for 90 points. For Absolutely. Sure. When he's always coming off the injured list, you know, and, and I think you got to make up, you got to like say like, all right, his first 10 games might not be that great until yeah. he gets in shape. So I think, <laughs> uh, I think that's it with Miko. It's health, you know, and obviously playing with good players. But uh, yeah, just, just keep the kid healthy and he's going to get you 90. Okay, so we only have a couple of minutes left here, Adrian. We still have a couple more questions. Moving on, I want to kind of talk about Pablo Francouz and really the the goalie tandem, I guess you would say. It seemed to me that Francouz kind of took the bull by the horns, if you will, uh, this year and, and looked really good. He kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And it's not that I was really a disbeliever, but... He did surprise me. Is he really like, did he solidify that number one spot the way I think he did? Uh, that's the other great question coming out of when we get hockey back. Yeah. I think that's the number one question that will face this team. Who's going to be the starting goalie for the playoffs? I don't think Francis cinched it because I just knowing hockey and the politics of hockey and, uh, and all that, I think Grubauer is going to sort of have the right of first refusal to keep that job. He had the number one spot before his injuries. He was hurt right before the shutdown again with a knee injury in that outdoor game against Los Angeles. The debacle, they call it. Uh, Fire Festival 2, we called it here. There was horrendous traffic problems and everything else you could name in this game. You know, Grubauer has shown that he's a, a can be a playoff guy. I mean, everybody... You know, it's always what have you done for me lately with goalies. But, all right, you know, Grubauer wasn't terrible this year when he played at all. Uh, I think the Avalanche had the fourth best combined stage percentage for the Jennings Trophy at the time of the shutdown. Mm. And, you know, Grubauer is part of that. And, and Grubauer took them to the playoffs almost on his back down the stretch last year. Won a round for the team for the first time since, uh, uh, let's see, 2008. Fared, you know, well against San Jose in the second round. Wasn't his fault they lost in uh, seven tough games. I think they're still going to give Grubauer a chance to win that, you know, quote unquote, keep that job when hockey comes back. I think Francis is a is a legit goalie. People forget he had a lot of really good seasons in the KHL, which is some, you know still very good hockey there. He comes here and he he was very very good. He may well be the number one guy moving forward. I just don't know if it's going to be the start of the season or not, the resumption, or if they're looking more toward him for next year to be the number one guy. You know, there's a lot of rumors that they're going to want to trade Grubauer before he becomes UFA after next year. Uh, there's been some rumors that actually that they want to get Matt Murray of the Penguins, which I thought oh, sounded, sounded really weird. But <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I, I'm telling you, I've got guys in the organization saying it's 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 true. You know, they like Matt Murray and they may want to make a deal for him. Well, that's so, interesting that you kind of bring up some like free agent situations, because I think that's really the last big question about the Avalanche is they have so many of them coming up. Just free agents pretty much out the game. I mean, you got. Nishushkin, Nemesnikov, who's been on 17 different NHL teams. <laughs> uh, Burakovsky, who we talked about earlier. 
Yost Zadorov, who like is, you know, not like the he he plays a role. He is a role player. They have all these little holes that they're going to have to fill. How are they going to keep all these people? Obviously, the answer is they're not. What kind of what light do you have to shed on this situation? I think by next year you're going to see Zadorov on another team. This is it for him uh, as far as his contract again, and he's had contract problems with this team before, uh, like twice. I think he's on the way out. I think they're going to try to trade him. I think they're going to want to move uh, Connor Timmins, the AHL former Windsor Spitfire, move into the top six next year and essentially take his spot. I think that's a hope. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the other guys you mentioned, like Tyson Jost, you know, they yeah. have to make a decision on him, especially. Is he real enough to give an extension and invest in, or is is he just, the, you know, is he just not good enough uh, as a first round pick? Um, it seems like a bridge deal there. I, I, I if was anything, gonna, right? Maybe, yeah, probably. And But I was going to say, a lot of these, you know, a lot of what happened with these guys was still going to come down to how well they played in the last part of the regular season in the playoffs. I think that's when they're going to make a lot of decisions about stuff. If Grubauer flops in the playoffs, then he's gone. We're going to trade him for his UFA. And we're going to go Matt with Murray. Francis. Yeah, hello, Matt Murray. You know, if uh, if Zadorov goes and crushes people in the playoffs and turns into just a Mr. Stud and they win a Stanley Cup, then, then hey, you know, we got to give Z- Nikita the money and keep him here. You know, I think, uh, you know, Timmons is the guy they expect to replace Zadorov. The top six, though, is pretty set. The other yeah. guy, that, though, that people have – well, Ian Cole is going to be gone within a year or two, right? So um, Bo Byram replaces him in that top six probably. You know, that's the plan there. Uh, you know, the the wild card in this is sort of like does, do, we, do we try to trade Eric Johnson? You know, mm. Do we expose him in the expansion draft and hope Seattle takes him? He's kind of the <laughs> – he's a guy on the bubble as far as either – staying with the avalanche for a couple more years and rounding out his what's been a really you know solid career or or just getting rid of him if we can and really and then bring all the kids in and that, that means Timmins, Timmins, Byram, you know, and they've got some other kids in the system that they they think have potential as D men, you know, uh um you know, the kids they just drafted, you know, they they're playing for college teams and stuff right now, but uh they, you know, they think those guys are going to be 2 to 3 years away. Uh and uh so you know, really, it's it's not a big worry about their defense, but I do think that those those two guys, I mean, Coles, Adorov, Johnson, they're not going to be part of the, the top six within, you know, three years from now of tops. All right, man. Well, Adrian, thank you so much. That's all the questions we got for you. So I want to thank you <laughs> once again for, for hopping on with us, man, carving out a little bit of your day to uh, to talk some hockey again. And uh, it looks like we're going to be having it real soon. So one more time, everybody, this is Adrian Dater. You guys can find him at A Dater on Twitter. You guys can read his work at Colorado Hockey Now. You guys can hear him at 104.3 The Fan <laughs> if you're in the Denver area. So, Adrian, thanks so much, man. Hey, guys, it was fun. You guys are really uh, knowledgeable hockey guys. So uh, thanks for having it. me. Take care. Thank you. Good night, buddy. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Have a memorial day, brother.
All right, so let's talk about Colorado and the things we we covered with Adrian here. So a lot of good things, I think, especially the one that stands out to me is that they're going to, maybe not going to, but Adrian believes that there is a way for Bo and Byram, Bo, to get on the top power play too, for them to play that three and two, which would be great. Um, Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I guess, I think where it comes down to, at least for me, I am so used to the fact that the NHL has just moved to just it's four forwards. That's exactly and it. one it, defenseman. It's and, conditioning. And it's just so it's just so stuck in my mind that that's how it is. So you're thinking, okay, so obviously you have uh, Landis Cog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Who is that fourth right. forward? And it's, and I didn't even really think about the fact that it's like Kadri right. or Comfer, Bowen Byram, and Kale McCarr are are different handedness. Right, that yeah, that left and right plays all the time. That would work out perfect. It, uh, I don't know why I didn't think of something like that, but I love that idea. It's, well, it's, it's exactly so that. It's, school, but it's but it's good, two good puck-moving defensemen. Um, on Franco's, he, it looked like, um, you know, it's still up in the air. It's not as uh, – um, that didn't sound like coffee. I'll get a little it, pop. It wasn't, it wasn't coffee. Uh, so it, the goalie situation, it's going to be – from what I gather, even commenting on the contract situations, they, these guys in the playoffs, they're the laundry list, like you were saying, Dushushkin, Kamenev, Nemestikov, Graves, Zadorov, Burakovsky, Yost. These guys are all playing for contracts, you know? So it's going to be a hard, hard-fought playoff series. And Franco's is playing for a 1A position. And I guess, what did he say, Grubauer's got one year left? Yes. Okay, so... He's just going to be one more name out there in the market. And I really want you guys to go look. If you go to Cap Friendly and start looking at all of these goalies that are going to be on the market this offseason as UFAs, it's going to be – there's going to be so much change. The, the the goalie carousel is going to be in full effect this season. And guys like Murray are not going to be able to garner as much money as they want because there's other guys out there that are just like that. Uh, Grubauer – for them to be able to move him, the value is going to be lower because there's so many other names. So I don't know. I do I do see them maybe hanging on to him for this one last year. And then they got somebody like uh, Justus Annan in, in the wings too. So I don't know. Colorado is going to be a fun one. Um, all right. So let's let's talk on St. Louis now too while it's still fresh in our mind. Hey, Tom. How are things? Hi there. Hey, things Tom, are how fine. you doing? Hey, hey, we can see you. It's not often we get the pleasure of video, too. Yeah, well, actually, with with me, it's probably not a pleasure to uh, to uh, to. Have- I mean, I wish both of us are over here with hamburger meat, so I don't know how yeah. much uh, how much of a pleasure is really yours. But <laughs> yeah, you got to let the chest hair flow, man. We're only doing audio, and the video will not be seen by anybody outside of this call. That's yeah, no, it's yeah. just it's just us. That's that's the best part. But we have to we have to mm-hmm. paint a picture for the viewers. That, that you know, oh, I. Okay. I I like to paint a verbal picture. <laughs> it's nothing but hamburgers. Um, okay, so we are joined with Tom Timmerman. You are the St. Louis Blues writer for the St. Louis Dispatch. You also cover the the Cardinals, some other sports. I believe soccer's in there. Uh, if there's anything else you're working on, feel free, man. The floor is yours. I, I have I undertaken, because in this time where there's been very little hockey to write about, I've undertaken a series finding the best uh, athlete in St. Louis in a number of other uh, sports. So I, I've written about the, the best pool player and the best darts player and the best archer and i just finished a story for tomorrow on on the best badminton player 
uh, in St. Louis. So, uh, and coming soon will be the best curler uh, in St. Louis. So. I want to learn how to do curling so bad. That is like something I'm super interested in doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't you know, know why. Like I would probably be be incredibly bad at it, but I just I feel like I would be good. The, the Blues had a road trip and alas, it was one I did not go on. And they had an off day in Calgary and Darren Pang organized a, a curling uh, trip. Uh, they, they Everybody went and, you know, the media types they all went and curled uh, one day in Calgary. And alas, that, that was a trip that I missed that uh, our other how, writer was on. How so cool I was that close. That how cool would that be? Curling in Calgary. I couldn't like that. But I would, I would totally be down for such a thing. All right. Uh, let's get down to these St. Louis questions here. And what we've been doing is kind of, um, we don't beat around any bush here. We want to deal with the elephant in the room right away. And it's got to be Alex Petrangelo. Uh, what is the general sense in St. Louis, uh, in, in the circles that you hang out in? What, what do you think the, what do you think is going to happen? Really? <laughs> um, you know, I, I have, when asked said, you know, if, I'm 50-50 because I don't know. More people than not think he's going to stay. I'm of the mind, who knows what's going to happen. The events of the past you know, three months have changed everything. The thought was, you know, if the salary cap went up a little, it would be a slam dunk. The Blues could keep him. It wouldn't be hard to do. Now, we don't know what the cap's going to do, but we know it's not going to go up. So that all of a sudden just tightens everything, makes it tighter for the Blues, but it's also going to make it tighter for any other team that may be bidding to get him. He has been expecting kind of Roman Yossi money. That's going to be, you know, a $9 million contract. You know, now is that, is that going to happen? You know, are there that, you know, are that many teams that need a top line defenseman or top pairing defenseman that are going to pay $9 million? You know, it's going to be tough. So there may not be as much competition. In, in that case, does Petrangelo say, well, instead of going for an eight-year deal, because the Blues would want to do an eight-year deal to string it out to keep the AAV down, but now does he say, well, I'm gonna, I want a, a one-year deal, a two-year deal, so when things get back to normal, then I can mm. get the big payday. You know, if that happens, is it easier or harder for the Blues? Would other teams be less likely to go for him if it's going to be a short-term contract? You know, it, it becomes a whole lot more complicated uh, at that point. So I. I don't know uh, where where it could end up because he wants and, and I don't want to make it sound like he's greedy. He yeah. he wants to be he wants to get the money he's earned and he deserves and he wants and and he feels if, if Roman Yossi's making nine plus million he should make nine plus million a year. He's a captain of a Stanley Cup winning team. I mean he plays as much minutes he plays you know both sides he plays power play penalty kill he does it all he should be paid. So that's what his take is going to be on this. So let's look at this from two perspectives here, if he stays and if he walks. So if he walks, what do you expect kind of like the trickle down is going to look like? Is is Perrieco going to be the guy that takes over for the power play? Do you feel that it's more of a done thing? How do you how do you think it's going to look if he does go? Yeah, you know, when they when they acquired Justin Falk, people said, oh, you know, he's the guy waiting to replace Petrangelo. But no, it is Colton Pareko who will be the guy. He will he will move into that you know top line top pairing situation. Can play both penalty kill and power play. Uh, he can be and he's shown it this year more productive offensively. You know, he's the guy. Uh, he's quieter than Petrangelo is. He's not going to be a team captain, but his on ice, you can put him in any situation 
and he can do anything you need him to do. So Pareko is the guy that is going to be in waiting. Dunn, they still aren't sold on him defensively. You hmm. still see they'll put him in offensive situations, but he almost never is on uh, is on the penalty kill. Uh, you know, he'll be a power play guy, but you know, he's just not at this point a shutdown pairing guy. So for that reason, you know, you're, you'd look at Pareko on the top pairing if Petrangelo's not there. So let's say Alex stays. Do you think Vince Dunn is going to be the guy that actually goes? Is it as simple as it's one or the other? Is I mean, it, it doesn't seem as simple, uh, especially when you're juggling around the cap, you know? Yeah, that's that's the what it's all going to come down to is how they're going to make work. They're, they're going to have to someone's got to go. And one thing they're going they would look at, you know, Dunn is is a restricted free agent coming up. He's going to get a raise. But would you want to give away a few years of Vince Dunn for one more year of Carl Gunnarsson or two more years of Robert Bortuzzo? You know, if you could move those guys out of the way, then you would have the money and could keep Dunn. You bring up a talented minor leaguer like Nico Mikola and fit him in. You know, that's the thing. You know, if you if you let Dunn go, then, you know, you got guys, other guys who are going to be gone in one or two years anyway. So that's going to be the the tricky thing. You know, if you're looking to make a trade, if they because if they re-sign Petrangelo, they have to create cap space. Uh, Jake Allen is going to be a guy. Um, you know, he's going to be making four million plus as the backup goalie. Uh, they would try to move him. He probably this year has driven up his value around the league. He's had a very good year, uh, so you could uh, move him somewhere, and he would probably like a chance to be able to compete for a number one spot that he's not going to have in St. Louis. Hmm. Uh, you know, Billy Huso has been in waiting. He got, you know, he had the bad luck to be hurt when the Blues last year called up Bennington. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you're just talking <laughs> about bad timing. He right. started out slow this year. He got better this year. The Blues would like, would have liked to have gotten more NHL experience. He's never been in an NHL game, but he has played well enough that I think they would feel confident uh, not extremely confident, but a little more comfortable with him as the number two at a very low salary. But then you still have to find another four or five million dollars. Everyone always comes back to Alexander Steen. He's in the last year of his contract and probably the last year of his career. You know, he's going to be 37 years old. He's you can't trade him. You know, who's going to want to trade for Alexander Steen? What what do you do? You know, yeah. the Blues have, kind of have to hope that he like retires because the Blues love the guy. I mean, that's the thing. You know, people talk about oh, you know, buy him out. The Blues love Alexander Steen. I mean, management. I mean, he if he didn't score a goal all year, this team would say we're getting our money's worth out of Steen because of what he does on you know both yeah. sides of the clock, what he does in the room, his leadership. They love the guy. The players wow. love him. I mean. You know, he get he can probably get the team motivated more than anybody, you know, after Craig Berube. So the players love him. Management loves him. So it's going to be tough for them to just say, thanks, Alexander, but move on. Yeah. That's going to be hard to do because of what he brings. But if you don't do that, then you get to a situation like, do you trade Jaden Schwartz? He's got one year to go oh. on his contract. Is the time right to trade him? Because will you be able to afford him in another year when 
he's up to he becomes a, a free agent. Can you he pay the raise? Role player on that team, though. Wow. Yeah. That that would and, be a hard one to swallow. That would be a hard pill to swallow. Well, especially since you've got Steen in his last year and Tyler Bozak in his last year, two guys you can't move. But you know, so what can you do? Bozak's making five million dollars. He's thirty-four years old. You know, it's going to be hard to. You know, what are you going to get for him? So if you could find a taker, then maybe you do that because, yeah, you don't want to give up Schwartz for one more year of Tyler Bozak and one more year of Alexander Steen. But it's the kind of situation they were in with Shattenkirk a few years ago when they said, you know, we're not going to be able to give him the raise. You trade him now when he's got more value. If you wait, you know, you either get nothing for him or you trade him at the deadline next year and you get you know, a draft pick. You know, if they trade him earlier, if he, someone gets a full year, maybe you get more. But, yeah, I, I agree with you totally that, I mean, that's a lot to give up. But they they may be stuck if they look at, you know, what the money is. You know, the fan base will tell you Schwartz is inconsistent. You know, he, he has, you know, long periods where he doesn't produce. They usually are when he's coming out of injuries. And his style of play is stuff that, you know, he, he gets hurt because he blocks shots. He, I mean, he takes pucks off the skate all the time. And so he, he misses games for that reason. And it's not that he's injury prone. It's just, that's the way he plays. I like Jaden Schwartz. I, I don't know. I just do. Yeah. So he's not the only injury prone guy. I think, uh, another, I'm sure your fan base could also agree that Vladimir Tarasenko is kind of in that realm. Uh, he mm-hmm. has a history of shoulder problems and he had another one this past year. Yeah. But I mean, everything that I have read all tells me that when the NHL resumes, so will he. Yeah, I mean, they were probably you know, three or four days away. You know, if the season hadn't stopped, he would have been playing maybe in their next game. Troy, Troy Brower had cleared waivers to open up the roster spot. Uh, Tarasenko would have been back. And th- th- it's funny, the question then was, are they rushing him back? Is he coming back too fast? You know, should we? they just wait until the postseason and save him for there? And as it turns out now, you know, Things that that's happened yeah, by default. They have to. So they yes. they've got him. You know he will if, if he's rusty, he's as rusty as almost anybody else will be uh, at this point in time. But yeah, the question going forward, you know, he's had you know shoulders. Once they got loose, you can do surgery, but they tend to get loose easier the next time around. Will he have more shoulder problems down the road? His chances are better than I don't know how your shoulders are, but I've uh, dislocated my right shoulder eight times. So pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you also know that probably after you did it the first time, the second time probably happened a whole lot easier. Oh yeah, it uh, slips in and out of there like butter. Now it's not a good thing. Yeah. So that's so that's you- a potential problem for Tarasenko. But he should be back. There's no reason to think uh, he won't be back. We've seen on Instagram pictures of him uh, playing hockey with his kids in his driveway. Uh, I'm gonna move away from the the negativity of talk about injuries <laughs> and stuff like that, and and my bum shoulder. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about these uh, the young wingers. I, like I love some of these young wingers that you have, especially Zach Sanford, Jordan Carew. Zach Sanford uh, kind of uh, broke out to me a little this past year. I mean, he was he was definitely on my radar before, but I mean, he had some stretches this year that were to die for, man. Like where I think he opened a lot of people's eyes, and not just my own. That is true. I mean, this has been definitely a breakout kind of second half of the season for Zach Sanford. I mean, he, and he is a guy who will admit his game is all about confidence, how he feels. It's easy for him to get his head 
out of the game. He'll start thinking about other things, and then it just goes kablooey on him, and he can't do anything. But when he starts getting in a groove and feeling good, you know, the goals come. And we saw that with his four-goal game uh, this year. He is in a groove like he has never been in. You know, even when his scoring stopped, still he, you could look at his game and say he's contributing. He's doing a lot out there to, to help this team, even if he's not scoring, because he can be aggressive and he can win pucks. He can make plays at the rate he scored this year. I mean, know that he's going to be much more in a 20 goal score. But if he's a consistent 20 goal score, um, I'll, I'll take you know, that's going to be a good. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Tom, I want to I want to comment uh, real quick about the Tarasenko thing. How do you think this is going to impact David Perron at all? Uh, I don't you know, they will move Tarasenko back on the, the Braden Shen line. So they will keep you know Perron will stay in his place with Ryan O'Reilly. OK. Uh, Sammy Blay, I think, was the last person who was in that spot, whichever one the Shen line. I don't know which one you want to call the top line. Um, right. Yeah. So if you have Tarasenko there, Perron there. How they will juggle the power play when that comes around, I don't know what they're going to do. It's It's been a while since they had all these options on the power play. Things are different now than they were earlier. So that would be something to see. But you're still going to see Perron playing you know, alongside Ryan O'Reilly uh, as much as humanly possible. So I want to set my sights now on the the prospects here. I got a couple in mind, Scott Perunovich and Jordan Kiru. So with Perunovich, the the newly awarded Hobie Baker Award winner and everything, uh, what should we really expect from him? Do you think he's ready to step right in? Um, obviously, they probably don't want to burn a year of his ELC. He'll probably wait till next year. How do you kind of see him? Do you think he'll make it out of camp? You know, a, a lot will depend on the Petrangelo situation as to what they do with him there. Because if Petrangelo moves on, then there then there is competition for a spot. You know, Nico Mikolov is a the guy they looked at this year. You know, he's he could move in. You know, Perunovic, you know, people say great things about him. You know, he's he's had good year after good year. Pareko went from nowhere into the lineup uh, several years ago. The same could happen. You know, with Perunovic, we'll have to see. They wouldn't mind him spending a year in the A and getting some experience there. So we'll we'll see. But, uh, you know, if things break right and if he shows that he can that he's the guy to do it, I, I don't think the Blues will hesitate in playing him there. But he's going to have to jump over some guys who have more experience. Mikula, uh, Wellman, Renke. Uh, they've got defensemen is the one thing the Blues have in the system coming up. So that'll be a tougher thing uh, to get in just because he's got to he's going to have to beat a lot of guys. But, you know, it's funny. I look back to when Colton Pareko made the team and, and we didn't see a, he beat out Pateri Lindbaum. And now Pateri Lindbaum's playing in I think he's in the KHL now or he's in Finland, something like that. And but it was like we all, all assumed Lindbaum had this spot. He and Chris Butler had spots. And then. You know, Pareko, we didn't know him. We know any, yeah. but he had a great camp. But you still thought that's oh, a great camp. But he doesn't have the experience these other guys have had. But he blew him away. And obviously now he's one of the best defensemen around. We'll have to see how he does in camp. But the spot is there. It's it's going to be a tougher equation if Petrangelo is back, just because they got seven guys that are already there. So it would depend, you know, if they had to move somebody along the way to make room. But then he's got to fight his way. And it's a question if he's going to be the seventh D, they're not going to want him sitting around yeah. as the seventh D. I'm so happy you brought up Nikola here. Um, he was somebody that got brought up in the Discord. I thought it was a little esoteric to bring up in the amount of time that we have. And I know we're running a little late, so we have um, 
One more question here. I know we already touched on kind of the goalie situation. So Jordan Kiro, he, he had a pretty good look in the NHL. He seemed to be favored higher in the lineup, but it seems like that kind of deployment is going to disappear with Tarasenko coming back. So where do you yeah. kind of see his role and uh, production over the next couple of years? Yeah, you know, he his speed is great. I mean, it's dazzling. He's going to be one of the fastest guys on the team. You know, right now he's not going to be anywhere above the third line because that's just that's what the numbers are. We didn't see the best of him this year because he had, you know, offseason kneecap surgery. He was slow getting back. So we still haven't really seen Jordan Cairo in, in his optimum situation. You know, the few times they put him in top six situations, he wasn't really outstanding in them. Next year, I would expect he'll be much better off. Again, getting that spot will be tough. But he's, I mean, he is fast. He can, and he can make things happen. And he has shown really great instincts out there. So he's got the chance to do stuff. We'll just have to, we'll just have to see. And can they put him in a top six role and keep him there and let him get comfortable? Because he's moved around a lot. You know, late in games, he doesn't play. There's a lot of times right now just when the third period, he sits an awful lot. So he, he hasn't built that confidence yet mm. in the coaching staff for them to use him. Um, that likely will change, but it hasn't changed yet. I will say I, I hope so. I like I am a definite fan of, of Jordan mm. Carew. So. All right, Tom. Well, I can honestly say it was it was a lot of fun talking to you, man. And I definitely appreciate you taking some time out tonight to talk to us. I wanted to ask you one one last question, just just for me. Am am I the only one that likes Sammy Play? I feel like I always have to defend myself for liking Sammy Play. No, 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 no. We it's like uh, there, four there is a, a strong, game, man. There is a strong Sammy Blay contingent here. He's a he's a great guy. We know he, he we you know he's fun to talk with. We we like Sammy Blay. Media wise, he's he's very good. And um, but no, he's and hockey wise, people you know I. I don't say he has a cult following yet, but he, he's he's got some support. No, and within this community, I think there's a strong Sammy Blay base. I yes. do, man. I, I always have to defend myself against, uh, especially against this one here. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I disagree. You know, they they put him on on high line, upper lines, and I, I don't know that he's going to stick there. But he's and also talk about a physical play. I mean, his oh, hits yeah. per game. I mean, is it's one of the best in the league. I mean, he. I mean, he gets on the forecheck and he let him. You know, he he goes slamming away. So and he's no. only playing for like twelve minutes a game, man. Like, what? Think if you put him out there for another three and a half more minutes. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's gonna have. He's like gonna have two hundred fifty hits. hits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll catch a case at that rate. Zach yeah. has a nose for these guys. He's a big fan of like Brendan Lemieux and Sammy Blay. He he really likes these like because, real tough guys. Because I like hardworking players. And okay, so hard work begets points. It all starts on the back check, moves forward. It's all about it's all about playing on the boards. That that's what hockey yeah. is to me. Well, and that's what Craig Berube wants to see. That's that's the game he wants these guys playing. Yeah, and not not to stretch this out longer, but no, that's I mean no, that's kind all. of blues hockey right there. Is uh, get in on the forecheck and get the puck. That's <laughs> what they do. I like it. All right, brother. Thank you so much again. You guys can find Tom at Tom Tim with two M's on Twitter. You guys can check out his work for the St. Louis Dispatch online. I believe you guys are online. You can follow the link in your Twitter there. I believe. Yes, yeah. Tealtoday.com. Yep. Right on. All right, man. Yeah. One more time. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Take care. Thanks a bunch, brother. man. Have a good holiday. All right. All right. You do.
That was a lot of fun. That was good stuff. He, both interviews I had. Really cool. Yeah, both interviews I had a really I, good time. I, I I had to bring up play, man. I had to bring up Sammy. I don't play. blame you. I don't blame you. I knew you were going to do it. I was like, shit, he just said Sammy play. <laughs> and I was thinking about that. Here we so go. Before he even said Sammy play, I had already had it up here up here in the lockbox that Sammy, <laughs> there was a Sammy play uh, question that was coming down the road. What's he like? What's he smell and like? Then, and then and then he brought him up, and I was like, boom, definitely gonna happen. There's now. my hand. St. Louis, it's it's hard to have clarity on something, you know, involving somebody's future and in contracts, and but it is good to know that he's looking for Roman Yossi money. It seems like that is kind of uh, that that's where the neighborhood I would put him in, right? So, how many? Would teams you want to give him Roman Yossi not money though? Would you? If you were him, would you want Roman Yossi money? I think uh, that's I not the question that I asked you. Would I want to give him? No, of course I would want to give him seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh well, to play. no, I, come on, don't be an asshole about it. But like, I don't blame them for wanting to go, like he was talking about, say eight years, six seven five. Yeah, there's seven a little mil. bit of security there, right? Something like that. Some somewhere where the cap hit isn't too high. He has term. He has some stability, but he's still going to be there at a decent price. Four years at nine million dollars or something like that, or five years nine million dollars AAV. That oh, you know what? I liked the the scenario he brought up about just getting like a one or two year deal so that he could revisit his contract when the cap does go up because that's something that I think a lot of players could be having in the back of their minds. Like if I take a short deal, the cap keeps going up. You know, if if you're not somebody that's on the the back nine of your career. You could make more money in every two years. You could get a raise instead of, you know, doubling down for these eight-year deals. I just think that, and and you know what I mean. I, I'm no, I'm not an NHL player, so like I, I don't have that in my wheelhouse. But right now, I'm talking about the world landscape and the hockey landscape right now. Him asking for a major deal like that, nine million dollars, isn't going to happen. Likely, the cap is going to go down. Not up, not stay the same. Likely, it is going to go down. So chances of him getting on a team that is going to pay him $9 million isn't really feasible. So if he does take that one- to two-year bridge deal where he can make it to another another contract down the line when hopefully all of this BS kind of blows over and clears up a little bit, then yeah then the cap might go up. Then he might have better footing to make more money. This year, I just don't think it's it's going to happen. They're going to be trying to give people peanuts. Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. Yep. Even, even more than before. That's why I think a lot of those short-term deals are going to come into play this year. It's going to be interesting. There's, there's a lot of big people that need to sign, and Tyson Yost was somebody I know you and I have a vested interest in because he like is him. on our Dynasty League. Yeah, but and, I, like, uh, I, I think he's a, I think he's a good, uh, good player. Yeah, yes. good luck. Third line center works for me. Um, okay, so sticking with St. Louis here, Jordan Kiru, Scott Barunovich, those are guys we, uh, we kind of talked about. I had forgotten that Vili Huso was hurt, and that was the reason that Bennington got the call up. So. Uh, as Tom had said, it was just it was just terrible timing because Vili Huso was the guy that was supposed to take that seat, and now I mean you'd be hard pressed to to push Jordan Bennington out of the way, right? Topsy turvy. <laughs> so I mean, it it seems like um, let me check out Allen right now, and I mean it seems like 
that would be a perfect scenario. Like, imagine if Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak were 10 years younger. And I, and I know, like, you know, they're not that much older. And I think Jordan Bennington's like 26 or 27. So it's not really that much younger. But if you could have two younger goalies and run a 50-50 tandem with two guys for the next six years, that would be huge. And I think... At the end of the it day, would, I it think would make them last longer. That's for sure. So it looks like Jake Allen's got one more year, and then he's a UFA in 21-22. So I think by 21-22, we're going to be we're going to be seeing Vili Huso. We're not going to be seeing Jake Allen there anymore. I'd be surprised. Um, actually, you know what? He's only 29, so there's a good chance somebody still takes a swing on him when he. I guess he'd be 31 by the time he's up for a new contract. And and goalies have a little bit more longevity than the rest of the players on the ice. But yeah, man, that's it. You got anything else? Now I'm done with you. I'm done with you for the day. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. So we are going to be coming back on Wednesday. So it always gets so confusing talking about this because it's Sunday, but the episode is going to drop Monday and we're going to be back Tuesday for Wednesday's episode. Yeah, so, we'll see. We'll see you around. We'll, yeah, we'll see you around. We'll see you around. We're going to be talking to Ken Weeby and Sean Shapiro about the Dallas Stars and the Winnipeg Jets. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If you guys got any questions for us or them feel free to pop in the discord let us know we are kind of like opening up and uh, uh taking all the questions and and asking these guys what you guys want to hear about so be sure to join the discord you guys can find us at fhf hockey on twitter and thanks for listening guys we love you love you